Section 6 of The Fourth Dimension Simply Explained by Henry Parker Manning. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Avai in June 2016. Essay 4 The Boundary of the Four Dimensional Unit and Other Features of Four Dimensional Space by Platonides. Footnote Second Honorably Mentioned Essay. End footnote. The schoolboy early becomes familiar with linear measure, square measure, and solid or cubic measure. He understands them respectively as the measurement of lengths, the measurement of surface which depends on length and breadth taken conjointly, and the measurement of volume which depends on length, breadth, and height all taken together. The first involves one dimension, length the second two mutually perpendicular dimensions length and breadth multiplied together and the third three dimensions each perpendicular to the other two length breadth and height all multiplied together let the units of these three kinds of measure e g foot square foot and cubic foot be represented by a line a b a square ABCD with that line as side, and a cube ABCD to G with that line as edge and that square as base. Figure 1. The unit AB may be regarded as made up of an indefinitely large number M of points arranged continuously from A to B. The square ABCD then contains M times M equals m squared points and the cube abcd to g contains m times m times m equals m to the third points one can go from any point in ab to any or every other in ab by moving in the one fixed direction of ab similarly from any point to any or every other in abcd by moving in the two fixed directions of the bounding lines, and likewise in ABCD to G, by moving in the three fixed directions of the bounding lines, direction forward or backward being regarded as the same in every case. Hence, with regard to motion from one point to another, the first unit is one-dimensional, the second two-dimensional, and the third three-dimensional. Man can make no motion which cannot be resolved into a combination of three mutually perpendicular directions. He can reach no place which cannot be reached by going north or south, east or west, and upward or downward. He can find no point in a room which cannot be found by moving in the direction of the length, breadth, and height of the room. Sight reveals two dimensions directly, the breadth and the height of the object beheld, while the third dimension, the distance of the object, is estimated by means of the muscular turning of the eyes to focus them on it. No sense calls for a fourth direction, perpendicular to the other three. In fact, all of man's experience leaves him satisfied with three dimensions. Leaving experience behind and reasoning wholly from analogy, the fourth dimension is introduced as follows. Four-dimensional measure depends on length, breadth, height, and a fourth dimension, all multiplied together. 
It involves four linear dimensions, each perpendicular to the other three. Consequently, the fourth dimension is at right angles to each of the three dimensions of the three-dimensional measure. Its unit must have AB as edge, the square ABCD as face, and the cube ABCD to G as base. It contains m times m times m times m equals m to the power of four points. To travel from any point to any or every other point in it is possible by moving in the four fixed directions of its bounding lines. The square ABCD, figure 1, is derived from the line AB by letting AB with its M points move through a distance of one foot in a direction perpendicular to the one dimension of AB. Every point of AB in this motion describes a line, and ABCD contains, therefore, M lines as well as M squared points. The cube ABCD to G is derived from the square ABCD by letting ABCD move one foot in a direction perpendicular to its two dimensions. Its M lines and M squared points describe respectively M squares and M squared lines. Accordingly, ABCD to G contains M squares, M squared lines, and M cubed points. Similarly, the four-dimensional unit is derived from the cube ABCD to G by letting that cube move one foot in a direction perpendicular to each of its three dimensions, that is, in the direction of the fourth dimension, its m squares, m squared lines, and m cubed points describe respectively m cubes, m square squares, and m cubed lines. Accordingly, the four-dimensional unit contains m cubes, m squared squares, m cubed lines, and m to the power of four points. Considering the boundaries of the units, AB has two bounding points, ABCD has four, ABCD to G has eight, four each from the initial and the final positions of the moving square, and the four-dimensional unit has 16, eight each from the initial and the final positions of the moving cube. Of bounding lines, AB has one, or is itself one, ABCD has four, ABCD to G has 12, four each from the initial and the final positions of the moving square, and four described by the four bounding points of that square. And the four-dimensional unit has 32, 12 each from the initial and the final positions of the moving cube, and 8 described by the 8 bounding points of that cube. Similarly, of bounding squares, ABCD has 1, or is itself 1, ABCD to G has 6, 1 each from the initial and the final positions of ABCD, and 4 described by the bounding lines of the moving square, and the four-dimensional unit has 24, six each from the initial and the final positions of the moving cube, and 12 described by the bounding lines of the moving cube. Finally, of bounding cubes, ABCD to G has one, or is itself one, and the four-dimensional unit has eight, 
one each from the initial and the final positions of the moving cube, and six described by the bounding squares of the moving cube. If the bounding lines of the square ABCD are supposed to be made of a continuous wire, and that wire is cut at D, the boundary may then be folded down into line with AB, forming a one-dimensional figure of four linear units. The original linear unit AB has one linear unit at either side of it, and an extra one, CD, beyond on one side. If the cube ABCD to G has its bounding squares supposedly made of a continuous sheet of tin, and that sheet is cut along the lines EF, GH, HE, AE, BF, CG, and DH, the square faces can be folded down to form a two-dimensional figure of six squares. The square ABCD has a square at each side of it, and an extra one, EFGH, beyond on one side, figure 3. Likewise, if the four-dimensional unit has its bounding cubes made of connected solid wood, and this wood is cut through the appropriate planes, the cubes can be folded down to form, by analogy, a three-dimensional figure of eight cubes. The cube ABCD to G has a cube at each side of it, and an extra one beyond on one side. Figure 4. These eight cubes, now forming a three-dimensional figure, constituted the boundary of the four-dimensional unit. The following table shows the results obtained for the contents and the boundaries of the four units considered. Contents. One-dimensional unit, M points, one line, zero squares, zero cubes. Two-dimensional unit, M squared points, M lines, one square, zero cubes. Three-dimensional unit, M cubed points, M square lines, M squares, one cube. Four-dimensional unit, M to the power of four points, M cubed lines, M square squares, M cubes. Boundaries. One-dimensional unit, two points, one line, zero squares, zero cubes. Two-dimensional unit, four points, four lines, one square, zero cubes. Three-dimensional unit, eight points, 12 lines, six squares, one cube. Four-dimensional unit, 16 points, 32 lines, 24 squares, eight cubes. The reasoning used is capable of extension at once to units of five or even more dimensions. If the one-dimensional unit is extended indefinitely to the right beyond B and to the left beyond A so that its length becomes greater than any number one can name, it represents a one-dimensional space. Similarly, the indefinitely great extension, equally in every dimension, of the other units gives a representation respectively of two-dimensional, three-dimensional, and four-dimensional spaces. The one-dimensional unit is separated from the rest of the one-dimensional space in which it lies by two points, 
the two-dimensional unit from the rest of its two-dimensional space by four lines, the three-dimensional unit from the rest of its space by six squares, and similarly, the four-dimensional unit is separated from the rest of the four-dimensional space in which it lies by eight cubes. To enclose an object of any number of dimensions in space of the same number of dimensions demands, in one-dimensional space, two points, in two-dimensional space, at least three lines, in three-dimensional space, at least four planes, and in four-dimensional space, at least five three-dimensional spaces. As with the units, so with the spaces, any point can be reached from any other in the same space by moving in as many fixed directions, each perpendicular to the rest, as the space has dimensions. Time represents a one-dimensional space, for it proceeds in one direction only from an indefinitely remote past to an indefinitely distant future. Figure 5. The present is a point travelling through time, or allowing time to slip past it, with uniform velocity, and any point in time can be reached by travelling through a definite distance, in years, months, etc., from one chosen fixed point, e.g. the birth of Christ. Any portion of the Earth's surface, regarded as a plane, represents a portion of a two-dimensional space, and the two fixed directions are those of latitude and longitude. An illustration of three-dimensional space is that space, to man's perception, in which the universe is placed. Man can find no illustration of a four-dimensional space. If two lines, AB and B'A' in the same one-dimensional space, are symmetrical about a point O of that space, figure 6, AB cannot be so moved in that space that the corresponding points shall coincide, A with A', B with B', etc. To effect such coincidence, it is necessary to rotate AB through two-dimensional space about O as a center, or, roughly speaking, AB must be taken up into two-dimensional space, turned over, and put down on B'A'. Likewise, if two triangles in the same two-dimensional space are symmetrical with respect to a line, figure 7, such coincidence of corresponding points and lines can be effected only by rotating one triangle through three-dimensional space about the line of symmetry, or, roughly speaking, one triangle must be taken up into three-dimensional space, turned over, and put down on the other. Again, if two polyhedral figures in the same three-dimensional space are symmetrical with respect to a plane, figure 8, coincidence of corresponding points, lines, and planes can be effected only by rotating one polyhedral figure through four-dimensional space about that plane, or, roughly speaking, one of the polyhedral figures must be taken up into four-dimensional space, turned over, and put down on the other. A right hand and its reflection, a left hand, in a mirror, are symmetrical with respect to the plane of the mirror, and rotation about that plane would effect coincidence. Such rotation would make a right glove become a left glove, or, roughly speaking, 
a right glove tossed up in the direction of the fourth dimension and turning over there will fall back a left glove. The inability of man to locate the fourth dimension or to detect the existence of a four-dimensional space, even if it be close at hand, is comparable with the inability of a two-dimensional man inhabiting a two-dimensional space to locate the third dimension or to detect the existence of three-dimensional space, even though his own space might be part of it, as a plane is part of a solid. Suppose the two-dimensional space represented by this page to be inhabited by two-dimensional beings. They have length and breadth, can move in those two dimensions, and are supposedly conscious of them. They have no thickness, cannot rise from the paper or sink beneath it, and are unconscious of any dimension in such a direction. They have no upward and no downward. Let them have intelligence concerning all within their space to the extent that man is intelligent regarding his universe. Let them possess houses and barns, and in general let their life be as rich as may be. Their houses and barns will have no roofs and no floors, for the bounds of the space itself alone are there. Three lines are sufficient to enclose any object in their world, and the flat man himself is exposed only along his polygonal contour, the interior of his polygon, his own interior, is to be reached only through his contour, for there is no above and no below within his cognizance. To convince him that a third dimension of upward and downward exists, touching and leading from even the interior of his polygon, his own internal parts, would be a hopeless task. Even if he accepts the arguments from analogy as to the properties of such a dimension, he would rebel at the idea of looking within himself to find it. Yet, even there, at right angles to the two dimensions which he knows, it is to be found, as well as everywhere else in his space. And, similarly, within himself, quite as much as anywhere else, must man look if he is to find the fourth dimension. Were one to explain to this flat man that a three-dimensional being, approaching from the direction of that unknown third dimension, could reach within his most securely locked barn and remove its contents without opening a door or breaking a wall, or could touch the very heart of the flat man himself without piercing his skin, the flat man might still be none the nearer to an appreciation of the third dimension. Equally impossible is it for man to understand from which direction a four-dimensional robber must come to steal the treasures from the soundest vault without opening or breaking it, or by what way of approach the four-dimensional physician would reach to touch the inmost spot of the human heart without piercing the skin of the body or the wall of the heart. Yet the root of such a robber and of such a physician lies along the fourth dimension. By that route must come the four-dimensional being who is to remove the contents of the egg without puncturing the shell, or drink the liquor from the bottle without drawing the cork. Such four-dimensional creatures, inhabiting a space containing the three-dimensional space where man lives, would constitute the most perfect of ghosts for man's world, and the absence of such ghosts argues against the existence of a four-dimensional space so situated and so inhabited. Algebra demands that geometry picture all its problems, 
and since an algebraic problem may contain four or five or more unknown quantities quite as well as any lesser number, algebra demands a four-dimensional, five-dimensional, or higher space for its use quite as imperatively as the spaces of lower dimensions. Perhaps certain phenomena of molecular physics or the mechanical principles of the electric current may find a complete explanation only with the use of the fourth dimension. Perhaps the fourth dimension escapes man's discovery only because the measurements in its direction are always very minute in comparison with the measurements in the three other dimensions. Thus far, however, the space of four dimensions, and all spaces of more dimensions, may be only the fictitious geometric representation of an algebraic identity. End of section 6